What new family traditions can you create with your grandchildren? Welcome back to The Grand Life. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. So what will your grandchildren remember about their time with you? They might recall more if you build traditions around those things you do with them. But first, our regular segment, This Week in Grandparenting. I know we haven't used teletypes in a while, but, you know, I just love the sound of them. So what's happened this week in grandparenting, Emily? Oh, my goodness, so much. It's like I just take little notes about things that happen all week, and and I figured we could talk about it. But the first big one was last weekend when we decided we needed to sell off some baby items that our grandchildren have used, and they are not at that age anymore. We don't need a high chair. We don't need a crib. We don't need gates. We don't need a daca tot. So we uh, had arranged a place to hand off and collect for a high chair that we no longer need. That was hard for you. Yeah. I mean, she handed me the $20. I got back in the car and then just started crying so hard. I was like, this is awful. This stage is already gone. I can't believe it. It's been 10 grandchildren in the last, well, 12 years. And the only ones that would be using it now are our little ones out in Colorado, and they're not coming to visit very often. And we are starting to try to simplify. So, so sad. It just, it just made me realize how fast time goes. This is also connected to something we talked about last week, and that is we may be moving and right. we'll be downsizing. And so it's not just about getting rid of the things that we no longer need. It's trying not to carry so much with us to the next place we live. Right, right. So it has begun, the clearing out, and it does make me really sad. But I understand this is just the way of things. This is like another stage of life. So no more little infant grandchildren the other thing I was going to mention to you, I went to a historical museum, outside kind of museum, with um, one of our youngest. Not the youngest of the 10 a, of them, but the youngest yes, who lives close. right. And it was really fun because it was a one-on-one. His brother was in preschool and he was with me and his mother. And we just had the greatest time one-on-one. So the grandkids call me Emmy, E-M-M-Y. But he insists on calling me Memmy which I just adore, his little two-and-a-half-year-old voice saying, Memmy, <laughs> so fun. Isn't it often that the grandmom is the one who is the curator of the memories? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. That's your job. So, um, you know, just so fun to be with him, walk around in the sunflowers and the, all the different things that we got to see together, and I just enjoyed it so much. You know, there's this other thing I want to talk about, and that is water bottles. They're actually thermos-type things with water in them that the kids carry around. All the grandkids have the, except for the infanty ones, <laughs> have these water bottles that they carry around. And I keep thinking, why does everybody have to have water all the time? Like, they're, they're constantly chugging water. Now, I know that's healthy. I know it is, but I, I still can't believe, like... Why didn't we not? What were we doing? Like, were our kidneys malfunctioning because we didn't have enough water? I know. We're right on the edge of sounding like the get-off-my-lawn grumpy old grandparents, right? <laughs> but I, I think the question is a is a legitimate one. I mean, were we really missing the boat by not giving our children a chance to hydrate all the time? I think it's slightly different, though. So here's my guess. Okay. My guess is that 
it uh, sort of satisfies, placates their desire to have something to eat or drink all the time, anytime that they want it. So okay. that they're not constantly saying, Can I have a snack? Yeah. Oh, I? yeah. Now, I don't know if it completely eliminates that because I hear plenty of mommy, can I have a snack? <laughs> but it does seem to make a difference. Yeah, it's it's funny. And I'm, and I'm not unhappy about the fact that they all have their water bottles. And, and in fact, the day that we went out to this historical museum, my daughter had a large thermos thing with a straw coming out. And she held it up and she said, oh, mom, you know, it's my emotional support water. <laughs> we never had that. And, you know, I'm talking a little bit more about our adult kids than I am about our grandchildren right now. But one of the things that was interesting to me was that um, we were sitting around. We we do it like a family dinner every Thursday night and we get together and everybody brings their food. So it's not like it's a huge deal for me to have to provide food. Sometimes I do if I've made a lot of something and provided or some watermelon or fruit or something. But anyway, we were sitting there talking and... Somehow the topic of religion and the topic of faith and sex came up, the whole thing about how you talk to your kids about sex. And it's so funny because our adult children are starting to have children who are nearing or heading to the age where they're either going to learn about it at school or they're going to hear about it from mom and dad. And um, and just a, just a thing to tell you this, do you remember when we were watching some of our kids while our our uh, adult kids went to Hawaii and one of them asked us what the F word meant and you wanted to answer it. I thought I had a good one ready to go. <laughs> I did actually say to her, I said, listen, wait until mom and dad get home and maybe they have a really good way of describing that that they would like to explain to you. So hold on to that thought till they get back from Hawaii. <laughs> and we told- and she did. She did. And they came back. They came back. And she asked. Yes. And she asked and they said to me- Mom, thanks so much for not trying to answer that question because we did have a specific way we wanted to explain it. So there you go. Let's... And it wasn't much like what mine was going to be. Yes. Yeah, so good thing we didn't overstep our bounds on that one. Um, so anyway, we were sitting around talking about the idea of sex. What, what do you do when you're explaining that to your children? And I felt good about the fact that our adult kids feel comfortable s- saying to us, you know, I don't. We don't know what we're going to have to do for this. So they weren't exactly asking for advice, but they were remembering how our family worked around the topic of sex, and we had a, you know, we had a reputation of very having a very open dinner table conversation <laughs> kind of stuff, and we'd have kids come in from you know, junior high and high school, and we'd be talking about stuff like that, and you know, we used the correct terms for everything, and we, you know, we would talk about sex. And I just thought it was interesting. I'm grateful that our children are talking to us about it. We're going to talk about this in our next part. So it's a good segue. But when we were bringing our children up, one of our traditions was to take them for their 13th birthday and have a real special time just with that one child. So you and I would go to a special location that we thought our kids would like, I don't know, depending on their interests. Sometimes a different city. Yeah, sometimes uh, Chicago, sometimes, you know, Lexington, somewhere, you know, something new. With something fun to do there. Right. So we were able to kind of like side by side be, you know, talking with them and everything. And then I had this huge basket that um, I had created for one for the kind of things you would give to a girl and to explain things and one that you would give to a boy. So there was like shaving kits and soaps and um, deodorant and 
you know, anyway, we may have waited too long. Maybe we should have done it when they were 11 because we found out later that there's a lot going on in there, you know. Well, it was the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a little earlier. What I'm trying to say is I think that when you create a tradition in your home, it's it's just really satisfying if your children take that tradition and do it the same way or do it some similar way and they feel open about talking to you about it. So all of those things about sex education, faith, whatever that we openly talked with our children about then became a kind of a springboard for helping them with the traditions they have with their kids. So all good stuff. It's really important, I think, to have those open relationships and it's just gratifying to hear them be able to talk with us about it and that kind of stuff. That was fun. The main topic in this episode is the kinds of traditions that you might choose to put in place with your grandchildren, different maybe than those that their parents are doing with them or that you received from your own parents when you were little. You have some ideas. Yeah. So, I mean, they like this thing, these metal boxes that I've created. I've got a basket next to the front door and it's filled with a bunch of metal boxes, those little tin boxes that things come in, sometimes lozenges or sometimes jam or sometimes gifts, gifts, jewelry, jewelry, you know, all sorts of things. And every time I get one of those, I empty it and put it in the, put it in there. So I go to places and I buy these inexpensive little things that, that I put into the tins where, you know, some of them are big tins, some of them are really little tins. So I put items in there and I put enough items for all of the kids and actually a few more. And then what I do, that what happens is the grandchildren come in the front door when they're coming to visit. I make sure I'm standing outside so I get the hug. And then then um, they rush to this basket because they know there's all this stuff in there that they want to look at and have. And the, the rule is that you can pick one tin, open it up, and if you don't like it, you can wait and see if somebody wants to trade with you or but you might but you might end up getting stuck if nobody wants to trade with you. And like Easter eggs, not every tin has a gift in it. Right, right. So they're rattling and they're listening and it's just so fun to watch that. And that's a tradition that I think we'll always have. Um, the other thing is we have started doing the sleepover thing with the older, some of the older grands. So we're talking about five years old to 10 because um, they're potty trained and everything's fine. And they come and they sleep over and then we have before they go to bed, we have for dinner, we have pancakes with chocolate chips in them and then whipped cream. And the fun part of the whipped cream is they can put on as much as they want, <laughs> which yeah. is a huge hit. Unlimited. I'm like, no, no limits like, on the whipped cream. We stop and, and I'm like, go ahead, you want to put it on, put it on. It's coming out the can and I have to have a couple of cans on hand just in case, but they think that's so fun and so funny. So um, that's a fun thing and to do. And it's not expensive and no, no one's going to. End up, you know, with a sh too bad of a sugar high, other, more than they already would have had with yeah, right. Putting with the pancake syrup, syrup and, and syrup. chocolate chips and everything yeah. else. Yep. So I'm kind of loosely calling these traditions, but when I say goodbye to any of them, I make sure they're looking at me in the eyes, and I say I love you. Like I don't want them to leave without knowing that they are loved, and it's very intentional. So we got that going. And then for Thanksgiving, we, we always get together at Thanksgiving. Our family has a Thanksgiving tradition of all coming together. So now we have 20 people 
coming for Thanksgiving all the time. And we do sing a song. It's called the Choral Benediction. And we sing that together before we eat. Not every meal, but just the one Thanksgiving meal. And that has become a tradition for every time we're together, which is so wonderful that we that we all love to sing. We're all very musical, so that kind of works out. And the grandkids are starting to learn it too. So it's fun for them to participate in something like that. Um, we often do homemade ice cream. That's kind of becoming a tradition. And um, another thing is this. So if we can't all be together for holidays, I create like a jar of candy corn for hot for October, for Halloween, or, you know, M&Ms or whatever, and I put them in a jar, and then we do a Zoom call with everybody, and I ask them to try to figure out how many candy corns are in that jar. That's hard to do over a Zoom call. It really is. We try really hard to kind of move it around and make sure they understand how how big it is and all that kind of stuff. They go off and they try to do the math, or they have different (laughs) strategies for trying to figure out the number. Yeah, yeah. They all write it down, and then parents will share that with us later and we'll tell them who won. So that's a really fun tradition. And then I send it to them, you know, in the mail. So they get it for, for a special treat. Um, to be clear, it often costs more to ship them the candy than it costs <laughs> to buy the candy. Absolutely. But it's, it's part, crazy. it's part of the process. Yeah. It's just part of that. And then we also have them write down during the month of November uh, and this is a tradition that's kind of come over from our family, but write down what they're thankful for. So they have all these written notes that they're thankful for, and they put them in what we call a blessing box in their own homes, and then they bring them all with them. And then we t- we go around the table and we read out anonymously what everybody has written. And it's it's really fun. And I think it's it helps to not put you on the spot during a Thanksgiving meal where you're feeling like, oh no, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? I mean, you have a month to figure out what you want to put in there. Um, I think it's not uncommon for families to share, particularly around Thanksgiving, what they are thankful for. This just puts a little bit of structure to it. Yeah. Uh, Not too much pressure, not too much stress around it, but the structure is something that the younger children who are learning the traditions can uh, adopt uh, with even less uh, anxiety, I think. Yeah. Even for adults who are introverted, they don't really want to have to come up with something on the spot. So if you know you're going to do that, give everybody a heads up a few weeks in advance. Yeah. So that they can come with the cards already written out. Right. Slips of paper already written out and then dump them in the box when they get there. Right. Yeah. It's really fun. So lastly, the last thing we want to talk about is um, our birthday date calls that we do for our grandchildren. Do you want to explain a little bit what that is? More than just calling a grandchild on their birthday, let's say their birthday is July 7th. Well, we will call that grandchild on the 7th of every month and we'll uh, have a conversation that sounds generally something like this. Hello, Emmy. Hi, Wave. Hi, Waverly. Happy birthday hey. date. Happy birthday date. Hey, guess what? what? I lost my first tooth yesterday. <gasps> you lost your first tooth? Yesterday. Oh my goodness. How does that feel with your tongue? Do you feel it that space a lot? Well, yesterday it hurt when I eat it like chips and stuff because it'll hold, but yeah. now it feels way better. Oh, that's good. Did you have to pull it out or did it just come out on its own? So it fell on my tongue and then I put it out. Oh, you did. You're so brave. I mean, it's so great that you did that. Like the minute I woke up, it fell on my tongue and I put it out. Oh, my oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. And did you put it under your pillow? Well, 
this gives me a little um something down a pouch that I put it in. You put it in a pouch? And I got two do and I got one dollar. Okay. One dollar? Oh my goodness. Are you gonna save it or spend it? Hmm. I think I'm gonna save it. Two friends give me two messages and one said you can see how my little wiggly tube up here. Really? Oh my goodness, so you have another wiggly tooth, huh? Are you going to hurry it up so that you can get the next dollar? You're going to pull harder on it? I'm just going to eat apples every day. <laughs> eat apples. That's, that's like, very smart. That's a smart that's really way to do it. really hard, so every day. Wow. <laughs> I have a question about your tooth. I'm wondering, how does a tooth fairy know that you have another wiggly tooth? Yes. Yeah, when you're sleeping? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. how she can see them then. Or he. Do we know if the tooth fairy is a girl or a boy? I think it's a girl. Yeah, I think you're probably right. You know what I would love to see is a picture of what you think the tooth fairy looks like because you're so good at drawing. Would you send us that? You know what you could do is you could draw the picture that you're imagining about the tooth fairy and then Mama could, Mama or Dad could take a picture of it and text it to us. Nice. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. That would be fun. You know what? We love talking to you on your birthday date, and I'm so happy that you've lost your first tooth and catching up with your big sister. That sounds cool. It's time for us to sing you the happy birthday date song. Can we sing that to you now? Sure. You ready? Happy, happy birthday, birthday day to, to you. Happy birthday day to you. Happy birthday, day to you. Happy birthday, birthday dear Waverly. Happy birthday day to you. <laughs> We're so happy that you're our granddaughter. You know what? One of the things I love about you, Waves, is how every time I see you, you've created something for me. So you make drawings or you you put buttons on things that, you know, glue buttons on something and it makes it pretty drawing. You're so good at that. You make things so cool. Yeah, I guess that's one thing I do do. Yeah, you do. Now, that's real sound from one of the birthday date calls that we just made to one of our grandkids, uh, including the cheesy music. And it's funny how they <laughs> have reacted to this differently. Yeah. They all seem to be at least tolerant and some all the way to enthusiastic. And then many kind of fall in, in the midst. Yeah. It's really fun. And I've talked to the parents. It is kind of a pain because, you know, we have to call the parents. The grandkids don't have phones. So we have to call the parents and say, hey, when's a good time today? Or text them and say, when's a good time to talk to so-and-so on their birthday date? And so we have to kind of make arrangements. And I'm not saying that we've always gotten in on their date. Sometimes it's a day late and we have to apologize for belated birthday date. But they look forward to it. That's what the parents tell us. And one of the things that you do is that you're mindful about asking very specific questions about what's going on with them. We've talked about that before. Right. But it has a place in this birthday date call because uh, in the part of the recording that you heard, you know, we use this as a chance to try to uh, boost them, try right. to encourage them about the uniquenesses of who they are. Well, if we don't know any of the details about who they are, that's kind of an empty compliment. Right. So it ends up that you really do need to, if you have to, in fact, I use a form that um, Carrie Byrne, Dr. Carrie Byrne from Long Distance Grandparenting came up with. It's a little cheat sheet. 
that, you know, you write down what their teachers' names are, you write down all sorts of their interests and all that kind. So you have a little bit of a cheat sheet when you're going to talk to them. And finally, when we finish the conversation, we cap it with uh, either right before we sing the happy birthday date song or right after, we cap it with affirmations. So we say to the children, and and we're talking just one-on-one with them, about how much we appreciate them, how much we love them. We love their passion. We love that they like travel and that they're interested in that and they're always asking questions and, you know, that kind of thing. So it it really does open the door to what I hope to be a long tradition of talking to them when they're in college, when they have their own cell phones. I mean, I just kind of imagine myself talking to one of them while they're walking across the quad at some university, and I hope it happens. I hope they don't just, you know, oh, it's my grandma, and then they shut the phone off. I I really hope that we will have had such a good relationship with them that they will expect that call even when they're in college. And even if they don't go to college, maybe it's, you know, they're on break at work, and we catch them in the middle of a shift, and... uh... Uh, they know it's coming. They just don't know when or. Yeah. They know the day it's coming. Yeah. And they can look forward to that. And I think that's just a great way to be an intentional grandparent. And with 10 grandchildren, it is not easy. (laughs) I have a little calendar by my desk and I make sure I pay attention to it um, and let them know that we're thinking of them and that we love them and all that stuff. So who knows? We'll see. We'll see what happens in the in the interim and then for at the end. Oh, I did want to say one thing too. Just a little note. We started by letting them use FaceTime when they talked to us. And I have to tell you, that did not work well for me. They might have liked it, but I didn't like it. You want to you want to tell them why? <laughs> sure. Whether it's FaceTime or, or uh, Facebook Messenger or, or, or anything that's got filters, mm-hmm. these things are irresistible to little children to be <laughs> able to put in like animal faces and giggling. ears and... <laughs> other kinds of uh, weird distortions on on their faces, (laughs) you know, because they can see the effect as well as send it to us, they get completely overwhelmed with all of the silly stuff that these filters can provide. So even though we had wanted to connect with them face-to-face, it was more like face to uh, half animal, half human. (laughs) It was terrible. And it was a complete distraction. I don't want to look at your goat face. Come on now. Let's let's get serious here. And so while I don't always I'm not always super serious on the birthday date calls, I really didn't like that part of it. So you know you, you have to figure out what works for you. If you as listeners are, you know, interested in that, then go ahead and do it. I'll more power to you. I just didn't want to do that. Anyway, those are some ideas for you as we've talked and if you have some traditions that you have created for your grandchildren, please share that with us. You can call us. Right. The phone number is still open at 317-572-7876. And our email address is grandlifeconnection at gmail.com. I'm Mike Morgan. And I'm Emily Morgan. And thanks for joining us in Living the Grand Life. Next time on The Grand Life. It's been interesting to see how ageism is really kind of getting into almost every part of everybody's life these days. And for some reason... Still, even even now or maybe more again? It seems like it. I don't know. Or maybe people are just being more outspoken about it. So there's the case in Canada where a television broadcaster mm-hmm. who, God bless her, didn't ask permission to allow her hair to go gray. Yeah. 
was canned. Yeah, that must be frustrating. I wouldn't want to have that placed on me, and there's plenty of gray-haired men, so I don't know what the deal is. Millions of jobs are going unfilled. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. People are wanting to get retired early. Experience is valuable. I I just am not getting this. I don't either. And gray hair is beautiful, in my opinion. I agree. People have seen pictures of you. Yeah. They know I don't dye my hair. It's gray. And I'm happy about it. That's next time on The Grand Life.